Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Daily Bailey podcast, bringing you your daily dose of football today. We have a very special guest, NFL quarterback Tim Boyle from the New York Jets. Tim is originally from Connecticut and played at the University of Connecticut before transferring to Eastern Kentucky, where he finished first in passing yards in the Ohio Valley Conference. Post-college, he earned a spot on the Green Bay Packers, working closely with Aaron Rodgers as third-string QB before signing a one-year contract with the Detroit Lions, then headed to Chicago in 2022 with the Bears. Boyle now returns to the East Coast as the second-string quarterback for the New York Jets, and I'm very excited to have him on today, especially in the thick of the season. So welcome, Tim. Thank you so much for joining us today. 100%. 100%. Thanks for having me. I like that little intro. It makes me sound <laughs> cool, but I'm just trying to keep making it, keep stacking years in the NFL, but I appreciate you having me on. And there's there's a lot to talk about. First off, I know we're both from Connecticut, and Connecticut is pretty split between New York and Boston sports teams. So what were your, your teams growing yeah. Yeah, so I was one of those weirdos who I was a huge Yankee fan growing up. I loved Derek Jeter, uh, Jorge Posada, I mean, all those guys. And when I was growing up playing baseball, I loved watching the Yankees. Um, but on the flip side of it, football, I was a huge Patriots fan. Like you said, in Connecticut, it's always Giants, Patriots, you know, Yankees, Red Sox. So um, I was a huge Tom Brady fan growing up, huge Patriots fan. Uh, you know, I really started falling in love with football when I was, you know, five, six, year, seven years old. And started playing quarterback and that's when Tom Brady was really hitting his stride playing quarterback and winning Super Bowls. So uh, I kind of became a Patriots fan right at the right time. And uh, yeah, so I'd say I was split growing up. uh, But right now my allegiance is with the uh, the New York Jets. That's kind of the weird part. You know, my my fandom kind of went out the door uh, once I entered the NFL and I started playing for the Packers. And Mm -hmm. I'm not really a huge uh, Patriots fan anymore. But yeah, growing up, I was definitely one of those uh, one of those Connecticut split split sports kids. So were we, my, my household was pretty split and our first dog was named Fenway. So we were a little bit biased towards the, the yeah. Boston Red Sox and stuff. So I don't know how this is going to go that you're a Yankees fan, Yankees and Red Sox. <laughs> I know it's tough. My, uh, my dog growing up was named Brady. So we had the, uh, oh, we had the Boston sports as well. Yeah. But I really haven't followed that much, uh, that much baseball in my, uh, my past couple of years, but it's, uh, it's always good to, to be able to support, you know, being in the Connecticut region, like you have so many good sports teams around you. So it's wonderful, honestly, that I got to pick and choose as a kid of, all right, well, Yankees are down the road. The Patriots are right up the road. So it worked out nicely. So I, mean, I know that you you lived in a couple different places. How has living in New York City been in that transition to that New York City fan base? Yeah, I love Manhattan. I love New York City. Uh, I actually stay in Manhattan in my off season. So during that three and a half, four month time period where I have off, I'm in uh, Manhattan. So I feel, I mean, I love, I love Manhattan. I love the energy. Um, I have a bunch of friends, you know, both my sisters are in Manhattan. Um, you know, it's just a, it feels very familiar for me. Um, you know, I always come back here in my off seasons, like I said. So just the fact that I'm already here for in season, it feels like I don't really have to do any moving. So um, I love being, you know, close to to home, you know, being Green Bay and Detroit, Chicago were obviously tougher for, you know, family to come to games and I didn't really get to see them that much. So it's been a treat to be able to be closer to home and have them come to as many games as possible and uh, get to see my sisters in the city whenever I go. And so it's been uh, a, a fresh breath of air. Oh, yeah, I, I totally agree. I lived in New York yeah. City this past summer. I was interning with Fox Sports and I just it's true what they say, New York or nowhere. It's it's a really special place. And I'm sure you felt that energy from yeah. the fandom as well. 
100%. The fans have been wonderful. You know, obviously there's been a lot of buzz around the team with Aaron signing and us getting a couple of key pieces. Um, you know, unfortunate what happened to Aaron, but the fans are still into it and they show up on game day and they're into it and uh, they're a hungry fan base. You know, they want a winning team and, you know, we're trying to give them that. So, you know, we understand the, uh, the, the standard and the expectation and we're trying to uh, fill that. Tim, I want to take you back a little bit about growing up. Talk a little bit about your your youth growing up in Connecticut. It seems like your family is a really big part of your life and really supportive of you. What was your childhood involvement with sports like? Yeah, I mean, I played uh, basketball, baseball, football. You know, I tried to play as many sports as possible. I played golf at a young age with my dad. Uh, some really good memories doing that. Um, but yeah, I mean, my family's been through uh, the thick of it with me when it comes to playing sports. You know, I, I really started loving football at an early age. Um, but as, as most people know, uh, you know, sports, life, whatever passion we have, it's, you're always going to have that love, hate, you know, it's, it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows. You know, there are, there are dark patches and you have to be able to, to lean on the people who are around you and who love you. And that's been my family. And I'm so grateful for them because, uh, you know, it takes a village, especially to get to where I'm at right now. I mean, there's been a lot of dark days. There's been a lot of really cool days where we get to celebrate and it's happy tears, but there've been days where it's bad and it's, it's love hate it really is and and i've been very grateful to have a family that no matter what has believed in me and has supported me through all of it and uh that's why it's so special to me right now and it's it's cool being closer to home that i can share this journey with them and they can come to games and i can get them on the sidelines and uh, you know experience this cool journey with them um but you know my, my growing up i i love sports i love being outside i want to go out with my friends and throw the ball and just do something. I want to be active. I'm, I'm still kind of the same way. I, I don't really like sitting around and doing nothing. I want to go do something. So uh, I don't really ever plan on losing that side of me. But uh, my older sister was super competitive growing up. My little sister, uh, extremely uh, really good uh, volleyball player. So we really have it in our DNA. We're very competitive. We had fun growing up. Um, but just talk about like a loving environment growing up in and a close family and, and supporting and loving each other. Uh, that's really what it's about. And that's why, uh, you know, hopefully you know, one of the reasons why I'm here, it's, uh, it's my family, you know, I'm, I'm extremely grateful that they've stuck with me through all the, the good moments and the bad moments. Um, but yeah, those, those are my people. And, uh, you know, I want to prove it to them every day, uh, you know, along with myself. I really appreciate you saying that. We have a motto in the Preddy household, family first, family over everything. And that's deeply rooted in our Italian culture, our Italian family. But yeah, it's even in the, the good times and the bad times, even in adversity, our family is there and almost grows us closer in the hard times. And I'd love to yeah. hear about, you know, kind of your experience going to Xavier High School, a Catholic all-boys school um, in Connecticut and why you chose yeah. to go to Xavier. Um, yeah, so Xavier's 10 minutes down the road from my house. So it's always been um, close to home. You know, I've always heard of Xavier. It's been close um, so growing up, you know, the, the older I got, you know, seventh, eighth grade, I really started to understand my potential football. I, I had a pretty strong arm and I could have gone to Coggenshog, which was the local, uh, high school, um, or I could have gone to Xavier. And I think at the time Xavier had the better football program. So it was really to, to set myself up for what I thought would be a, a good football career. And, you know, very thankful I went there because it really helped me out. But, um, I always, you know, grew up knowing about Xavier uh, once eighth grade rolled around and I decided I wasn't going to go to public school, I, you know, I was like, all right, let's do, let's do Xavier. And one of the best decisions I've ever made, um, so many incredible memories. And, and thankfully we had really good teams, you know, we won three state championships and yeah. I was a part of a really good football teams and that made it fun. You know, I have a lot of really good fun 
positive high school memories. And all of my best friends today are, are my high school buddies. I mean, um, you know, a lot of people get caught up in the, you know, all, all boys, you know, Catholic private high school and, you know, girls and all that stuff. But it's, I think it really allowed me to just like lock into school and football. And, you know, I had a, I had a high school girlfriend at the time and she went to mercy, which was right down the road. So, I mean, we had interaction with, uh, with women, but it was, it was a, a chance for me to really like settle into my friendships with my guys, um, to lean into football and really like invest my time and energy into what I wanted to do in my life, which was play football. So, uh, going to Xavier was kind of a no brainer for me. Um, like I said, you know, we had a lot of success, so I'm very grateful for that. And, um, you know, every time I'm home, I go back to Xavier, you know, I love all the people there, uh, mm -hmm. all the same teachers and, you know, coaches I had, I mean, it's a, it's a special place and I'm, I'm very grateful to Xavier. And I'm sure you're, you're kind of a local legend or a major legend in Connecticut and especially at Xavier. I'd love to hear about the football summer camp that you host there. And I just saw you just hosted it back in July. Yeah, uh, I started that after my rookie year and uh, it was a wonderful turnout. I think we maybe had like 60 or 70 kids my first year. and I didn't really know what I was doing. It was kind of a, I, you know, I organized it and I had people come in and help. But, yeah. um, you know, now, you know, going into my sixth year, I mean, I, I really had it buckled down. I had great coaches. I had a big itinerary. You know, I had a couple sponsors for it. So it was wonderful. And, and I think that's important giving back to uh, your hometown, you know, and, and just being in Connecticut and, and trying to get as many kids as possible to come into a camp and, and just learn, you know, about football, because I think if you're not progressing the sport and you're not getting back to the sport and especially the youth and trying to teach them the right ways to do things from, from my perspective, you know, being around professional football, like I have a pretty good sense of how football should look and how, you know, certain techniques should look. So I think just uh, being able to, you know, talk to those, those kids and, and kind of give them my two cents on what, you know, I'm seeing, you know, it kind of empowers those kids. And I, I remember being that age and going to an NFL football game and being, uh, you know, Brian Hoyer, who, who's now in the NFL, we just played against them the other night, you know, and I was in eighth grade as a freshman, eighth, ninth grade. And uh, I met him and I was like, wow, you know, he gave me a couple of pointers and it's like, those things stick with you. So just knowing that I have that platform now and that kids, you know, for some reason, you know, find it interesting to, to listen to me talk based off of my job. Uh, I really take that that platform to heart. And I know that I can use that for positive, especially in my community, because as much as my family's helped me through all the ups and downs, um, you know, Connecticut has, has had my back and they've uh, they treated me wonderfully. They're very supportive. And uh, I love doing that, that that summer camp with those kids. It's uh, it's turned into a pretty cool event. We always have like a little party afterwards, too. So it's just it's an awesome time. Um, the kids really work hard at it. The coaches do a really good job. Uh, you know, our, our, one of our coaches at Xavier, Greg Jascott's the one who's really been running it and putting, uh, his finishing touches on it. So I'm very grateful to him as well, but it's just a, it's a fun time. And, uh, COVID kind of threw a wrench in it for a few years. We couldn't really do it in those summer times, but I plan on doing it, uh, every summer that I'm, uh, that I'm in the NFL. So that'll, uh, hopefully continue to happen. Well, yeah, it definitely seems like you're using your platform for good, which is super admirable. And I'm sure, you know, obviously you led by example, winning three consecutive state championships. I'm curious to know how that affected your college recruiting process, being on such a successful team. I'm sure, you know, you got a lot of attention from scouts. Yeah, so my my recruiting process is pretty cool. You know, it really started my sophomore year. Uh, after I played, I split time with another really talented quarterback and, uh, started getting recruited by local schools, you know, it was the Yukons, the Rutgers, the BC, Syracuse, Temple. Um, and, you know, it was kind of cool getting that attention. You know, all of a sudden you're getting phone calls and letters from coaches and, 
you know, it's nice to feel wanted, you know, especially as a high school kid. And, you know, I started really feeling and leaning into that momentum and I had a really good junior year and I got a little bit bigger offers. You know, I had Notre Dame, I had Florida, Oregon started becoming in the pitcher. So like I had these teams that were interested in me and I was going through this recruiting process and, you know, I took a couple of visits and I absolutely fell in love with Boston college and, uh, you know, Chestnut Hill is beautiful. I loved the football program. I loved the coaches, the players. I, I was really around the, the facility all the time as a high school kid, just going up and visiting. So uh, I ended up committing to Boston College going into my senior year of high school. So my whole senior year, I was committed to BC. And a few weeks before signing day, uh, they had a, a coaching change. Uh, Coach uh, Adazio came in and, and said, you know, we'd love to have you come here, but uh, if you want to open your recruiting process back up and, you know, you know, look at other schools, you can. And uh, I ended up doing that and ended up committing to, to UConn, which is the the last place I thought I was going to go. But, yeah. you know, the world works in mysterious ways. And uh, the recruiting process was fun, though. I'll, I'll never forget those. Uh, every time I'd come home from school, I'd always go to my mailbox. And there was always, you know, maybe 10 to 12 letters from different schools. And wow. they're generic. They're generic. You know, they send them out to a bunch of people, but it's still nice. And so, and I've uh, my mom kept a bunch of the letters, so I have them in a box somewhere. So hopefully I can show my kids one day. But um, awesome. yeah, it was, it was a cool, it was a cool time, you know, high school, especially, you know, my junior, senior year of feeling the love, you know, I felt like I was playing well and we were winning games. So, um, you know, by no means were we in those championship games because of me, but, you know, I was a, I was a cog in a wheel, but I mean, we had really good teams, really good coaches. And, uh, like I said earlier, I'm so grateful for those, th those groups of guys, you know, we had so many positive and fun memories that I'll, I'll be able to hang on forever. Yeah, I cannot relate more to the the coming home. I mean, for me, it was mostly email. I guess that's a little bit of a, a generation change, but I would see that notification like, oh, this this D1 field hockey program is it, it just inviting me to a camp, let's say, and I would want to have a party and celebrate. It's, it's, the, the, best it's, it's the best. I agree. It's the best feeling. It, it, feel it, it makes you feel like your hard work. Yeah, it feels like your hard work's paying off. That's the yeah. that's the benefit. The, the The fun part about it is when you get some love for the skills that you've worked so hard to achieve. Yeah, so... You know, obviously there's a lot of fun that comes with recruiting and, and the college process, but there also are some hardships. And I read in a recent mm -hmm. article released by the Packers during your time there, it says that you persevered through one of the rockiest careers a college quarterback could endure. And I know that your time, you know, at your three years at UConn, you had three different head coaches, which is a major challenge any athlete can can relate to. Can you talk a little bit about what you learned from your time as a Husky? Yeah, yeah. Um... You know, when I reflect on my three years at UConn, it was a lot of it was a lot of negative. Mm -hmm. um, in hindsight, positives, but going through it actually, you know, those were my darkest days when it came to football, and that's when I really leaned on my family because they they knew that I worked hard and I was talented, but it just it wasn't clicking for me for some reason. And uh, you know, you can attribute that to you know the team, the coaches, whatever circumstance, but ultimately you have to look yourself in the mirror and assess, you know, what was going on. You know, I wasn't playing well. And uh, in hindsight, I'm super happy that happened to me because I had to learn how to persevere through those weird, you know, that gut feeling of like, Oh, this is not going well. You know, the team's looking at me like, you know, is there, are they going to start another quarterback the next week? You know, it's kind of that uncertainty, but being able to like transition in a steadfast manner, with calm, cool, and collect, just like handle your business, control what you can control. Um, and that's kind of how I approached it. And my family had my back through thick and thin because UConn was tough. You know, we didn't really win that many games. I didn't play well. I threw way too many receptions. You know, in hindsight, you know, I really 
didn't have that good of a grasp on the game. Now that I, you know, six years in the NFL, I really, I have a different view of it, but um, you know, when I was at UConn, I met a lot of really good, really good guys. Um, a lot of friends that I still have today, but I think the big thing about UConn is my three years there at three different head, head coaches, like you said, but I had three different offenses. So every year as annoying as it is, I, I had to learn how to relearn an offense mm-hmm. and it's really helped me learn an offense in the NFL because since my freshman year of college till right now, I've had like nine different offenses. So every year there's like a, a, a relearning and unlearning and relearning when it comes to offenses. So as challenging as it was in the moment, I'm super happy my UConn experience happened because I had to fight through the, the BS. I had to handle my emotions. I really found my love for the game, you know, because when things aren't going well for you, you have to lean into the, the, the kid like feeling that you fell in love with the game. And I think I reinvigorated that, that kind of passion for football. Um, but yeah, UConn was tough. It really was, but I, I have a lot of really good friends. You know, I, I had fun at UConn, but uh, I kind of reached that point where it was like, all right, for me to really give myself a good opportunity to try to make it to the NFL, I, I kind of wanted a fresh start. So after my junior year, I, I ended up uh, trying to consider, you know, transferring. Yeah. Could you walk me through a little bit about your mental state during that time? Um, you talked about kind of adapting and reacting. I'm sure you had to learn really quick on your feet how to adapt and react in that type of environment. But how how did that felt in, impact your mental state? Yeah, so I didn't really understand how to control my not control, but I wasn't really as aware of my mental state as I am now. You know, looking back, I think I handled it really well. Uh, I had bad days, and I remember venting to the people who allowed me to vent to them that you know I'm feeling certain ways, but I really learned during that time too, like if you try to go through moments like that, where the scale and the the grandeur of the moment or the environment is so big and you, f- you feel alone. So I really reached out to my family and I like really learned how to talk to my family about what I was actually thinking, what I was actually feeling. And, uh, you know, my parents, especially, you know, they, they guided me through it, man. They, they, they raised me up when I needed to be raised up. They humbled me when I had to be humble. Like they, my parents knew how to handle me. They knew how to help me and guide me through those moments. And uh, it's, uh, you know, you find out a lot about yourself and a lot about other people when adversity is thrown your way. You know, yeah. when things get hard, you can start pointing the finger at other people, but it's it's tough to sit there and look yourself in the mirror and be like, what's my piece in all this? Like, what's my part? And um, being able to assess that, you know, and having my feeling like I had my, my family's uh, they had my back, which was, uh, that was important, but yeah, definitely some, some tough days, but, uh, in hindsight, I'm glad because I've learned how to, how to cope with those, uh, those feelings of, uh, overwhelmed or anxious or, yeah. um, you know, all these, all these negative emotions that come up and life presents them to you. But ultimately at the end of the day, we have a choice to react to those. You can either control those emotions or you can let those emotions control you. And, uh, I think that was kind of the first time in my life where I really hit some incredible adversity. You know, I had a really good high school career. I had fun. The ball was rolling. And then all of a sudden I fall flat on my face and it's like, all right, well, how do you respond? And it's not throwing the towel. It's all right, let's look in the mirror and let's correct the issues. And uh, ultimately I, uh, I felt confident enough to talk to my parents about it, my family, lean on my friends. And they all guided me through that transition. And, you know, here I am today. 
yeah, I mean, it all worked out in the end, but it definitely during it, it's it's hard to see the the light at the end of the tunnel. I felt the same way. I I was a transfer actually. I played field hockey and tennis at Bowdoin College before transferring to Boston College, and my family really helped me. They were the reason why I transferred and, and helped me through that process. I'm curious to know, you know, your family's role in helping you enter the transfer portal and your process in the transfer portal to uh, Kentucky. Yeah, so it, it really wasn't even like a portal when I was back then. So it was <laughs> like I. I couldn't go anywhere I wanted. I had to transfer down. Like it wasn't like today's day and age. Yeah, so it was interesting. You know, back back when the dinosaurs walked the earth. Um, like I, <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I remembered after my junior year, mid season, I was like, all right, I think it's time for me to spread my wings and try to get a positive college experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I reached back out to my high school coach to like kind of help me get re recruited. Um, you know, so my parents were, they had no clue what was going to happen. You know, I reached out to all these schools and schools reaching out to me and it's like, all right, where's Tim going to go now? And all of a sudden there are two or three schools like that are, you know, making a real push and it's, you know, Wagner, uh, Holy Cross, maybe it was, and then Eastern Kentucky. And I'm talking to the coach at Eastern Kentucky and my parents are like, could you really go down there? Like and play in Kentucky and do that whole thing. And I was like, yeah, honestly, I could. And just thinking about that, like as a parent, your son who's trying to chase his dreams, who didn't just, he didn't play well at UConn for three years. He wants a fresh start. And they were like, let's do it like a hundred percent. So they helped me through everything. They came down, helped me move in. Like, I mean, when I tell you my relationship with my family, my sisters, my, my parents, I mean, they've just been incredible my whole career. You know, imagine being a parent and you're, you know, your kid who's 50 minutes up the road at UConn is now, you know, in the, you know, in the South and it's, you know, a whole different chain, a whole different ball game, different culture. And I'm playing for a different coach. I mean, there's a whole different kind of set of emotions that come up. So they handled it wonderfully. They uh, supported me through it, but you know, the whole transfer portal was interesting. You know, I had the, the season ended and I had like Christmas break to figure out where I was going to go. So I was like, I was wheeling and dealing, trying to talk to people like, Hey, yeah. It was, it was very quick. Yeah. So I, I ended up going down to Eastern Kentucky and uh, the NCAA still had a rule back then where it was. uh, So I played my true freshman year, true sophomore year, true junior year. So I had a redshirt year and uh, a year to play technically. So they made me sit out when I transferred down to Eastern Kentucky. So I thought I was going to transfer down to one double A or FCS and play right away. Um, But they, they didn't, allow me so I had to sit out and redshirt as a true senior and then I played my fifth year senior year so kind of an interesting situation where you know I'm a 22 year old you know senior in college and I'm redshirting so I really learned a lot about football that year and I was able to work out and kind of get my mind right for what I was you know getting to get ready for next year my fifth year but um, you know the one thing that really helped me in hindsight, looking at all of the adversity I've ever gone through, right? Because it was kind of uneasy moving down to Kentucky too. Like I wasn't fired up about it. Like it was a school and they wanted me and I was going to go down there and play, but it's, you're going to a whole other environment. Like it's, it's, it's scary. Change is scary. Yeah. But as I, ref- I reflected on everything, everything that I've ever, wor- ever worried about in my life has worked out for me. Like, like as much angst or anxiety you feel in a certain moment, mm-hmm it's all going to work out. And I kind of learned that it's like, why invest so much negative energy and try to like, let it overtake you when everything we've ever worried about has worked out. Like here we are sitting, like you're doing great. I'm doing great. Like everything worked out. 
So I kind of, when, when I'm in those moments of like, dude, just breathe and like, you're going to be good. Like everything's worked out. And if it's an L, I know it's just cheesy, but like, if you really program your mind to think that like losses are lessons, mm-hmm. you can't ever, like it's whatever bad happens, it's a, you get to learn from it and you become stronger because of it. So you know, I, I feel like I am the person I am right now because I did struggle three years at UConn and I did have to make a tough decision to make going down to Kentucky and I was away from my family and, you know, all those things kind of led me to this person I am now with the perspective I have. And, um, I think it's really helped me out. So as much as it was a weird roller coaster, you know, my football career, especially in college, <laughs> it spit me out exactly where I want to be. And I think it's given me the ability to fight through some hard times and it's, it's helped me in the NFL. You know, I've had to go through a couple tough moments in the NFL and, you know, you know, same stuff, different day. You just got to pick yourself up and look yourself in the mirror and how can I get better and move forward and believe in yourself at the end of the day. Yeah. Just uh, everything's a hurdle that you have to persevere through, but also learn from. And uh, yeah, I I couldn't relate to that more because especially, you know, I went, I recently went on this Catholic retreat. It's called Kairos at Boston college. And they taught us something that I'll take for the rest of my life. It's called live where your feet are. And it sounds simple enough, but I think so often in life, we're looking ahead to the next thing. I'm sure for you, it's what team am I going to play for? Or, you know, am I going to start this game? And for me, it was, you know, what job and now my senior year of college, it's what job am I going to have next? Or even like, what am I going to do tomorrow night? So I think living where your feet are, I can relate to that. You know, you just have to ground yourself in knowing that it's all a part of the greater plan. Everything happens for a reason and and there is a plan. And you're right. We're here. We're sitting here. We're all right. Everything worked out. Oh, um, good. So yeah, it's, it's all part of the greater plan. And for you, it seemed like the greater plan is the NFL. And it seems like kind of it was always your big goal. What role did uh, Kentucky play in going undrafted in 2018 and then earning a spot on the Packers? Yeah. So ultimately it was an opportunity for me. Right. I mean, it was, it was a a chance for me to get onto the field and like play a whole year and try to put some stats together to try to impress some NFL team. So uh, I by no means lit up my fifth year, senior year of college at Eastern Kentucky, uh, but I played well enough and I put enough good tape out there to get enough interest where on my pro day, you know, I had eight teams come and watch me throw and work out. And at that point I just wanted, you know, a team in front of me just to see what I brought to the table and the Packers you know, thought enough of me, you know, during that pro day. But when I think back on EKU, it was a, it was a wonderful opportunity and, you know, another offense, like I had to learn another offense and I got to learn a whole nother set of guys, you know, and I think that at quarterback position, half of the battle for us is being able to talk to guys individually and have enough mutual respect where what I say is impactful because at the end of the day, the quarterback is the guy, it's the alpha. He, he has to step into moments and be able to talk to guys and be frank and hold guys accountable. So I think I learned at EKU really how to lead individually because I think leadership is not cookie cutter. Everyone is kind of the same way. Like you really have to talk to guys and, you know, I literally got thrown into a, a whole nother team of a hundred guys and I had no clue who they were. So I was willing to deal on trying to learn names and like talk to guys and, I think that's the part of, you know, my leadership style as a quarterback is being able to, you know, if I walk by someone like, Hey, how's your sister doing? And like, cause you know, having those conversations, you know, you build trust. And I really worked on that when I was at Eastern Kentucky, cause I had that one year to red shirt. Um, but, you know, ultimately East, Eastern Kentucky, you know, you know, allowed me to go to the NFL. You know, they gave me uh, an opportunity, you know, when they knew I could only play one year and I had two years. So they knew that they were going to essentially pay for a year of me to sit there and then have me play one year. So I'm extremely grateful to coach elder and his whole staff for allowing me to go there because, 
you know, without the opportunity, opportunity, I would not have been able to get in front of some scouts. So, um, yeah, Eastern Kentucky, great time. A lot of good people there too. Uh, I love the South. I can't wait to go back and visit the Colonels. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, a, a wonderful time in my life. I, I actually really enjoyed moving down to Eastern Kentucky and it allowed me to spread my wings away from my family. And, you know, if I had an issue, I'd go figure it out myself. So I really grew as an adult when I was down there and kind of just put my best foot forward. Yeah. And definitely, I think learning a lot about leadership there, having that one year to red shirt, kind of see how things work, you know, kind of lead by example then in your second year. And I'm sure there's definitely a balance as a quarterback by leading by example, but then also, you know, kind of having to throw the hammer down a little bit and, and talk to the guys one-on-one. Um, and th- that's a delicate balance in any sport. And then, you know, you shift to the Packers. What was it like working with Aaron Rodgers and what did he teach you about leadership and just the game in general, mentally and physically? That's a good question. Uh, that's a great question. Aaron is an enigma. He is uh, one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. And he's one of the most talented people I've ever met in my life. So physically, you try to do as much as you can that he does, but he's an alien. So like it's he's got his own thing and I've got my own thing and he's made his thing work and I try to make my thing work. So it's you try to take as much as you can physically because he's so gifted, but a lot of it's just like natural, like that the dude can just throw the football, you know, he's a really good quarterback. So what I learned from him physically is just little nuances, like just how he views the game and how his mind thinks through things in certain plays and how his feet choreograph with certain things. So I think uh, just being creative with how you think about playing the quarterback position. It's not like, I, like we said, it's not cookie cutter. It's not every quarterback should play this way. You know, I have to play to my strengths, just like Aaron has to play to his strengths. So, you know, physically he kind of taught me that, but I mean, from a preparation standpoint, I mean, Aaron, Aaron's leadership, I think came from the fact that, you know, he's won a Super Bowl and he's played really consistently. He's played really good football, really consistently. So guys naturally respect him. Right. And I think it's tough. Like you just said, it's tough to, and this is the unfortunate truth. You you can't hold someone accountable if the person doesn't respect you yeah. because it, it's easily, it's one of those, like it become, you become kind of a little self-conscious you get a little sensitive and you're like, what are you talking about? You don't know me like that. So you have to have that bridge of like, Hey, you and I have, have some rapport, some trust. Right. And you have to show, you have to show it consistently, whether it's off the field and it's conversations and you're caring about guys or it's on the field. Like I have to perform in order for me to tell a guy you messed up. I have to be able to look in the mirror and assess where I messed up. So I think Aaron kind of showed me that whole, like, if you play well and you're confident and you do your job, that will naturally, you'll naturally gain respect that way. Um, but Aaron's whole thought process, I mean, like I said, he's one of the smartest guys I've ever met in my life. He's just so cerebral, his recall, um, his ability to lead and his ability to have these conversations with guys where it's, you know, when Aaron opens his mouth and he talks, everyone in the room is quiet and they, they need to hear what he's, ha- you know, has to say, you know, and that's, that's, earned through time playing well and uh, him being a, a wholesome guy. So my three years with Aaron in Green Bay was incredible. He took me under his wing, very thankfully that he did. Um, I feel like from when I got to the NFL to when I left in Green Bay, I mean, I was a way different quarterback. And I think that has a lot to do with Aaron. And, uh, you know, I remember being a little kid watching Aaron Rodgers play football and now I'm his backup in Green Bay. And all of a sudden we're back on the same team and, you know, I'd consider Aaron like a close friend of mine now. So it's just, it's crazy being a small town kid from Connecticut in middle field. It's like all of a sudden my life has gone to now I play for the jets and I'm one of Aaron Rodgers' good friends. And it's like, I'm so lucky that I get to be around someone who is a good person. Number one, 
and an incredible football player, but who has invested his time and energy into me. And he's appreciated what I bring to his life as well. So I think that mutual friendship has really allowed me to ask him the tough questions of like, Hey, what's, what are you thinking here when it comes to football or even off the field stuff? We know we had good conversations because um, you know, like you, you mentioned earlier, like mental health, like there's a lot coming out on that right now. And I think the more, especially guys lean into talking about things and Aaron and I have always done a good job of, being open and honest and vulnerable with each other about like what's going on in our lives. And you kind of just like spray it out and it is what it is and there's no judgment, but you just talk through it. Yeah. And uh, I think, I think some guys have kind of caught wind on the wind of that in the locker room. And I think like there's a culture being built where it's like, if there's something tough going on, like let's have the tough conversation. Let's not sweep it under the rug. And I think that leads to obviously a lot healthier mental health. Um, yeah. But yeah, Aaron, uh, Aaron's a special guy and I'm, I'm super, I'm, super happy I'm back with him you know obviously very unfortunate what happened with the injury but um yeah my green my green bay days were fun with him and uh, he taught me a lot about football a lot about being a, a good person and being able to think freely for myself so um yeah yeah pretty pretty crazy being from Connecticut being a Tom Brady fan and, and watching Aaron you know be obviously one of the best quarterbacks uh in the uh, in the midwest but you know, here I am in the Green Bay and, you know, don't really know much about anything when it comes to football. I feel like I do, but all of a sudden I'm in front of a 15-year vet and you you learn a whole different variety of things that goes through his mind. So it was a cool experience for me. Yeah. And I mean, talking about mental health with someone, especially of that caliber is super important. I have, I have three older brothers and I always tell them like, open up, like let's, let's have those conversations because so often men are, yeah. especially male athletes, you're supposed to be the strong, tough guy and not really show that side of yourself. So to hear at that level, dealing with this much pressure, you're able to talk and have those open conversations is really special and really important. I'm, I'm so happy you were able to share that. Okay, so now, Tim, I want to talk a little bit about your role on the Lions. So statistically speaking, you had the most action during your year with the Lions. What was that like taking on a bigger role um, immediately? Yeah, uh, I'm grateful to the Lions that they they signed me, you know, to be their back behind Jared. You know, Jared's a, a really good quarterback. But uh, I went into that year, uh, broke my thumb on a helmet in preseason. So I was on injured reserve for 10 weeks. And right when I came back from IR, I started my first game against the Browns. And, you know, you want to talk about going from not playing football for 10 weeks and rehabbing your throwing thumb to, like, playing in an NFL game. You know, I, I it was tough, you know, and, and – I started three games and each game that I played, I felt like I continued to get better and I saw it and it slowed down, but, you know, probably one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, you know, and that's why I respect the guys who make it look easy. And, uh, um, I really enjoyed my time when I was, uh, in Detroit. I love the fans, you know, we got better coach, coach Campbell is doing a really good job there. You know, they're six and two now they're rolling and I know all the guys on the team. So I'm, I get to watch all the games and I'm super happy for them. Um, but yeah, that, that taught me a lot. You know, it's, you don't really know until you know, right? Like I was a backup for Aaron and I played a little bit, but starting an NFL game uh, is a whole different beast. And uh, I really learned a lot about my process as what I needed, because when you are the starter, you know, you have media, you have production meetings, you have to study. And if, I can't even begin to explain what I would have to go through if I had a family, like if I had a wife and children, having to deal with all that. So like the guys that make it look easy are, that's why I have so much respect for them. But, um, you know, I learned a lot about my process that year in Detroit and uh, what I needed to feel like I was getting ready for the game. And 
um, you know, I, I got to bank all that and kind of make sure that stayed with me. So if I ever get the opportunity to do it again, then, you know, I'll be ready to go and I have a good process. So, um, you know, those are, you know, again, when I look back at it, right, we almost beat the Falcons and I feel like I played better against the Seahawks that year. Um, but just it's the confidence knowing that I've played NFL games. I've started games that I've thrown touchdowns. I've completed passes. Like I can do it. Like I'm good. And that's where, you know, I'm not going to put myself looking too much in, in the future where it's like, well, if I got my next you know chance, I have to take advantage of it. Like I have to put that pressure on myself. Well, if I just go out there and react and play my game, I think I'm going to be just fine. So I think, um, you know, Detroit definitely taught me uh, really, because like I said, you don't really know until you know, right? Like I don't, you know, I don't know what starting an NFL game feels like until you do it. So I did it and learned a lot from it, and uh, excited for my next stop. Yeah, and again, that's another program that you had to learn how to adapt with the new offense. You've experienced four different NFL programs. How did the coaching style and the program style vary during your different experiences in the NFL? Yeah. So, I mean, that's the cool part about football is you get to meet all these different people and different coaching styles. You know, a lot of playing quarterback, especially is having really good coaches around you because, you know, installs and how to install plays and what thought process stuff is on plays is very critical, critical to a quarterback. So when I was in Green Bay, you know, under Coach McCarthy, him and his whole system, you know, I learned that was my rookie year. So I learned a lot. You know, I was kind of just like a fly on the wall. I was more observing. I didn't really have much of a voice. I was just kind of there watching and observing Aaron. My second year, Coach LaFleur came, and that's where I kind of fell into myself. And I was really – I felt comfortable. I was able to verbalize and start leading in my own way, being the backup. And, you know, you learn a lot about football when it comes to, you know, learning different offenses as well. So I had uh, – you know, when I was in Green Bay, I had a wonderful time. And it just talk about, like, a good, strong culture. And I think Aaron, you know, led that culture. But, you know, it was uh, – you know, if you come to Lambeau and, on a home game and it's cold, like, you guys better buckle up because, like, that's our – that's our comfort zone. So it was cool. And then when I went to Detroit, you know, getting used to an ex player and Dan Campbell and, you know, most of our offensive staff w was made out of ex players. Um, and I was able to be around, you know, former players who are now coaches. So it was a whole different vibe of, you know, reality and how they saw the game based off of when, how they remember playing it back in the day. So uh, I, I absolutely love Detroit's culture. I think that they're going to be a, a hell of a team for a really long time. Uh, in Chicago, I was there for, you know, a little cup of coffee. I was there for six weeks. So I was in and out and, um, you know, same thing that when I went to Eastern Kentucky, you know, middle of the season, you know, I'm used to this one team and all of a sudden I get thrown into another locker room, you know, I'm wheeling and dealing. I'm trying to like learn names and try to, you know, you know, the part of the job of being a quarterback. So when I was in, uh, in Chicago, it was a fun time. Uh, you know, obviously the first year head coach, Coach Flus, he's a good guy. Um, you know, they're, they're trying to set their standard. They're trying to set their culture. And I think he's doing a hell of a job. I think they're doing a good job right now. And I think the, the young quarterback they have is continuing to ball. So I'm happy for him. And I have a lot of good buddies there too now. But, you know, coming here with the Jets, Coach Sala, it's like a, it's a defensive, you know, he he loves defense. And he's called defenses really good defenses before. So, like, our our standard and our culture is set from our defense. And, our guys are steady and sturdy. So it's like, it creates this foundation, this culture that, um, you know, we're always going to keep swinging no matter the circumstance. So coach Sal has done a wonderful job of um, holding us to a certain standard and it's a high standard, but you know, we feel like we can meet it, but yeah, the, the interesting part about football that I can reflect on is just the different coaching styles, right? Cause some guys are a little bit more quiet. Some guys love the screaming. Some guys will have one-on-one -on -one conversations, you know, that there's just a lot of different, 
coaching styles that I've seen that, you know, I, I know it kind of gets across to me now. So it's um, the guys we have in our room right now are awesome. You know, coach uh, Hackett, coach uh, Downing and uh, coach Calvary. So they do a really good job of giving us the information we need. Um, but I'm really, I, I, honestly, I love this, these guys right now. I love the quarterback room. We have Trevor Simeon's in there, Zach Wilson's in there, obviously. And we have a great room. We have great rapport. We have the, the tough conversations. We hold each other accountable. It's, it's been fun being with the Jets. Coaching style is so important. It can really make or break the team. Same thing with leadership. I'm sure you you feel that pressure as a quarterback having to lead the team as we were talking about. I I have to admit, I, I've dealt with some awesome coaches. I've dealt with some difficult coaches. And for tennis, in my experience, it's such an individual game that working one-on-one with a coach can really make or break my game. And I was privileged enough to have an awesome tennis coach, Coach Ben Lamana at at Bowdoin College, who just really helped me become the best tennis player I could be mentally and physically. And I'm kind of, you know, you're out there on singles as, as a lone wolf and having that coach in your back corner to help you is, is unmatched. It can everything, it's everything. unmatched. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. really, it's really important. I'm curious to know, have there been mental health resources on the, the various NFL teams that you've played on? Yeah. So we have, uh, we have access to a hotline. Honestly, we can talk to them. It's like a, uh, uh, we get free passes to like give our families too. So there, there's a whole mental health push of the NFL, which I absolutely love. And, you know, it's really only started becoming a thing. I feel like, especially for, you know, guys that I, I can remember, you know, over the past four or five years, mental health has really become a huge push and being able to even call it like being aware of your mental health. Uh, I think obviously COVID made light of all that because people went to, you know, dark places, you know, you're, Locked inside, there's a lot of anxiety, and people learn a lot about themselves in those moments. So, um, we do have a, we do have a team psychologist too, which I I have to mention that because every team I've been on, it's the team psychologist is awesome. They stand in front of the room, they talk to the guys, they have resources. Like we do yoga whenever we want. There are meditation sessions. So like, a 100 that's real. Like we do, we take and we do whatever we feel like is necessary. And these people's job is just to help facilitate interesting ways individual ways to help our mental health stay where it should be and that's to perform at a high level but mm-hmm. what i was getting at earlier was just like the interesting part about the mental health thing is that it was never i feel like even my first couple of years prior to 2020 and covid it was never really a thing like we we had team psychologists and we had all these resources but it really wasn't used uh, i feel like in my opinion i might be generalizing but post covid i feel like it's been a huge push in the NFL, which I'm very grateful for because a lot of guys, like I said, you can become aware of it. And once you become aware of it, then you can start understanding what works for you. So mm-hmm. um, our team psychologist for the Jets, uh, Annie, she's awesome. Um, she writes all these questions on a board. So, and she stimulates these conversations. So she knows, you know, all these, these people know how to create some positive environments, especially in the NFL where there's so much stress and like tightness based off of, you know, production levels. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge advocate of mental health right now. And it's been a huge thing just supporting, you know, local, local, like artists who want to get, you know, certain messages on shirts and, and sweatshirts. I've been kind of a part of that for a little while now and the happiness project of just pushing some positivity. And, and that's ultimately what, what I'm trying to do as an individual is inspire other people to be the best versions of themselves. And that's just showing up in a happy manner, giving them a little love and, uh, helping the buddy along. And I, I went with this saying, I, I told this at my, my youth camp, it was the only time you should be looking down on someone is when you're helping them up. And I think that's so true. Yeah. Like, I know it's a little corny, it's a little cheesy, but like, it, it really is. If you, if you feel like someone is struggling, don't, 
gossip. Don't create any drama. Don't talk behind their back. Help them up. Like, let them know how they can do a better job. And ultimately, that's what I'm trying to do, especially with my family, my teammates and my friends. Tim, you seem like someone, I mean, you are someone who helps others and is is constantly trying to do good in the world. What do you do good for yourself? How do you take care of your own mental health? Yeah, so I, I've really, post-COVID, I've really, you know, dove into meditation. Um, I've been journaling for the past six years now since I've started the, in the NFL. I journal every night. Um things that I see myself wanting to do, things that I'm grateful for, whatever is really on my mind, I just kind of get on paper and I start visualizing things. And I think a lot of my mental health revolves around um, my productivity. You know, when I feel like if I don't have a, like a, a purpose or a goal or something that I should be looking forward to, like my off seasons are tough, right? I'm not in season. So I'm not like, yeah, I'm away from football and I get to do what I want, but like, I want to be able to feel like I'm achieving something. And I think uh, what's really helped me is being able to meditate and like calm my mind. And I love what you said earlier, be where your feet are, live with your, like w- live where your feet are. Yeah. Our minds are, our minds are trained to think about our past and our, in our future, but we never really take the time to like examine what's around us and how I'm feeling. So right. I've like, if you really break it down to like, if you feel good or you feel bad and you make it black and white, it's like, this makes me feel good. This makes me feel bad. And once you kind of understand what certain things do like music's a huge part of my life. I listen to music all the time and it just naturally raises my vibrational level to happy. Like I'm just a happy person when I listen to music and I can control what music I listen to. So I have all these different playlists for myself of what I'm feeling in certain moods. So, um, you know, I've learned it's music. It's good, good people around me. You know, I think having good quality people around you makes me happier and it makes my mental health much happier. You know, you're a product of your environment. Definitely. And um, but the big part for me has been the journaling and the meditation. Um, journaling has really helped me. I feel like the manifestation part of my journey has, you know, I I've written all this stuff down. It's come true. And, um, you know, being able to meditate on it and visualize my future and what I want and being able to feel the feelings of having it. But, you know, obviously it's not there yet. I think that's the key to where I'm at and grateful to my mom, and my parents, you know, but especially my mom, she kind of, she's got that spiritual nature in her and she's like, Hey, this is, you know, if you really want something, you can go get it. And it's, it's a matter of you making your mind up and believing yourself. So I've really learned the master of trying to, trying to manifest and create my, you know, my future, but it is tough, right? Like it's like living in the present and being where your feet are like, that's really where I find my most happy, you know, mind is where I just get to be where I'm at and not have to think too much about what happened or what's going to happen. Just being right here. And most of the time I'm pretty happy. And manifestation is huge. I, I at first when I kind of heard people want to manifest things, I was like, is this just a load of hooey? Like, is this is this is this not real. Really the real thing? It is totally real, whether it's journaling or, or praying on something. It, it really helps me as well. I got into journaling. What have, what have you manifested? Uh, actually, my something you manifested. My like going to New York City. That's been my dream for for so long. And I, my first summer, I got this great internship, and I moved out to LA and got to experience that wonderful state of California. I never was there before, and I just mm-hmm. picked up and moved out there. Um, and then this past summer, New York City is just the energy. It's just such a special place. I love it there. I feel the happiest there. And when I'm listening to music, actually too. And it's a huge I, part of my life. Yeah, I, I manifested it, and actually. It's funny. So my my older brothers played played football and my oldest brother listened to the song Remember the Name by Fort Minor. I don't know if you know mm-hmm. 
that song. Yeah. But throughout my high school experience, I would always think of him when I listen to that song. And that's whenever I hear that song, I kind of get emotional because I, I think of him because that was a huge, huge part of my life for all my high school career. And I think that actually helped me manifest music actually helped me manifest playing in college and, and competing at a high level. So interesting. I, I totally get it. It's 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 a faith based for me, but it's also a journaling and, and non-religious thing as well. Very nice. So going into this season, I want to, I want to talk about the jets. Um, mm-hmm. What were your goals going into this season? Yeah. My, I mean, first and foremost, I want to just be here. You know, the NFL is so weird and I'm in this position right now where, you know, I'm, I could be here. I could not be here. They could keep me. They could cut me. So I really had no clue. I really wanted to be here. My first goal was just, either making it on the ultimately is the 53 men roster, but if not, and they kept me on practice squad, I just wanted to be around because I, I love the group of guys we have, you know, I've, a lot of former coaches, you know, a lot of former players. Like I, I'm very comfortable here. I'm closer to home. Like I've you know, all those things I listed earlier. Right. Um, but I think the, the nice part for me right now is just the, the ability that I am now on the roster and I put myself in a position where if I do get an opportunity, I have to make the most of it. And it's, it's not pressure on myself, but, you know, ultimately what you look for in the NFL is opportunity and being with the Jets and being able to be the backup behind Zach, who I think is having a great year, honestly. I think he's playing really good football. Um, it's it's ultimately about opportunity and going out there and trying to prove that I still have it. And I think I, I did a really good job in preseason. I felt good about what I what I did and what I showed, you know, all the other teams. Um, but ultimately it's, it's you know, it's opportunity. And uh, I'm glad I'm on the 53-man roster. I love the team. Um, and... It's been a fun. It's been a fun uh, first half of the season. Um, you know, we have uh, we have everything we need on offense and defense and special teams. We just have to continue to win these little games that you know we we barely lose in the fourth quarter. So, um, I absolutely love being with the Jets right now. I mean, the fan base has been awesome. Yeah. I love the quarterback room. Like I said, you know, we have a really we have really good rapport. Um, and uh, you know, I. Uh, Ultimately, you know, you look at your NFL career and it's opportunities. How many games did you play? How many passing attempts did you have? And I'm, I'm just trying to continue to, to stack those. And uh, with opportunity, you know, my goal was to be able to, you know, make the 53 and try to play a game this year. But, you know, we'll see what happens. But yeah. I think Zach's playing incredibly well. And uh, obviously very sad what happened to Aaron because I was looking forward to playing with him this year too. Yeah, I'm sure. And watching your preseason highlights, you have this – Tim, you have this composure on the field. I'm sure you really worked on that. What was it like proving yourself, you know, using that composure to prove yourself to get on that 53-man roster and then finally getting that call? Like, you're in. I think the cool part about my career now is I played enough, even in practice and in preseason games, where, like, I know what to expect now. And these games where I get to go in and I get to showcase my abilities, I've now realized that I can just, like, take a deep breath and play football and I don't have to press. I just react. And I feel like when I react, I play good football. Mm-hmm. So uh, play, you know, playing well in preseason and just being able to take a deep breath and chill out in the moments. So Zach and I were just talking about that the other day. There's so many things going through your mind as a quarterback. But like right before, you know, you use your cadence or you call for the ball, it's like cleanse your mind, like take a deep breath and just react and play football. And that's been a, a huge, a huge part for me. But um, Zach's been obviously a huge, you know, a huge part of that whole process for me. But What's been your favorite moment of the season so far? Favorite moment of the season is probably the first game when Zach, you know, Aaron, a lot of hype around Aaron and, you know, three plays in, he, you know, tears his Achilles and, 
you know, Zach, who's been mentally getting ready to be the backup quarterback, you know, has is, is thrust into now being a starting quarterback for the whole year. And he handled that game wonderfully. We ended up winning in overtime against the, you know, a really good Bills team who are playing this weekend. And it's, uh, you know, that, that game was awesome. You know, I wasn't even dressed for that game. You know, obviously Aaron and Zach were the only quarterbacks, but um, just watching Zach and having that moment with the team and like starting the season one and know and Zach having to deal with all this adversity, it was just a cool team win. And, you know, it kicked off our season in the right manner, especially losing your, you know, your superstar quarterback captain, you know, like, Hey, we just beat a really good team without him. Like you were going to be all right. So that was, that was a good moment for us this season. And uh, also beating the Denver Broncos for coach Hackett. That was a good, a good thing for me. You know, I think he had a tough year last year and obviously there's certain emotions, but just being able to go out there and get that win for him was nice. And as an athlete competing at this highest level, having a successful season, things like that, you have so many kids and young athletes looking up to you. How do you want fans to perceive you and what advice would you give to younger fans? Uh, I just want people to think that I'm a good person because at the end of the day, I, I think the NFL and football in general is so cool. I just want to share the moments with everyone. So I, I always like like throwing with fans before games and you know, there's a lot of, you know, we live in a world right now where opinions are treated as facts. So a lot of these fans, they say certain things, but they don't really know who I am as a person. And, um, you know, I think being able to just show people who I am and just, you know, I'm a kind person and I want, I want people to enjoy the, the sport of football, just like I do, because I have a lot of love for it. So, yeah. um, and, and honestly telling, telling younger athletes, because I was that kid who was a small town kid from Connecticut and I had these aspirations to go play in the NFL like if you really want to do something, you can do it. And that's the one thing that I would stress to people because we put limits on ourselves mentally. And if you don't believe in yourself, then no one else ever will. So it needs to start here, like in your heart. And like, you have to make your mind up that you're going to go do it. So uh, telling young kids that like, if you really want to go do something, like you can do it and, and not being told they can't do it from whether it's a parent or a friend or anyone you know being able to say no I got this like no matter what happens I'm making my mind up and I'm doing it so that would be my message that's uh that's my wisdom for the day oh that's, that's great that's very that's that's some great wisdom last question for you Tim what's next for you and what are we manifesting here what are your hopes for the future that's a great question uh what's next I uh more more wins I think this team is gonna like we're, we're gonna go have some fun and we're gonna get some wins going and I want to manifest a positive experience this year because I think this team this fan base the culture needs a winning you know playoff contention team so um and for me you know I want to extend my career you know the, the big thing I've been writing down in my journals is I want to I want to play 10 plus years in the NFL you know I'm at year six right now and uh, you know, feeling the, you know, the feeling of when I hit year 10 and that happy emotion is what I think about. So I, I really do. That's like my big goal in the NFL is uh, playing double digits years in the NFL. I think that'd be a cool achievement. Um, but if it doesn't happen, I'm super proud of myself for even getting here in the first place. So, uh, you know, each year I'm going to have to continue to showcase my abilities and have to, you know, scratch my way into, onto a 53 man roster, but I'm willing to do it because I love the game. So um, yeah, yeah the, the, the 10 plus years in the NFL is my, is my big one. I'm trying to manifest. I believe it. I'm sure all your fans believe it too. When before I wish Thank you good luck against the bills on Sunday, where can listeners find you on social media, Twitter, Instagram, all that. So Instagram, uh, Tim Boyle underscore seven, I believe. 
Um, other than that, I'm on my Instagram every once in a while, but I try to stay off of my phone as much as possible. It's one of those things that's love hate, you know, it's yeah. all of a sudden you're scrolling for an hour and you're like, Oh no. So, um, I try to stay off my phone as much as I can just, you know, try to listen to some music journal, do whatever and read a book. But, um, yeah, you find me, uh, on the, on MetLife on Sunday and <laughs> you can reach out to me on Instagram if you'd like. Awesome. Well, good luck again to the Bills. And thank you so, so much for joining us, Tim. Thank you. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to this very special episode with Tim Boyle. He is clearly a rock star and we are always rooting for Tim, not just as a Connecticut native, but as a new Jets fan. I want to hear from you guys on what you want to hear on the podcast. Please reach out to me at Bailey underscore Preddy. That's my Instagram handle or at my Gmail, which is Bailey preddy at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much and tune in to next week's episode of The Daily Bailey.